comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Mr. Stark. Yeah? Agent Coulson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from the uh, Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement Logistics Division. Can you get a new name for that? Yeah, I hear that a lot. That's being handled. That's what we do. Just call us sheep. You know, I think this episode would have been a lot better had they had had they been able to sneak in John Mayer's uh, song "Gravity" into this episode. I think um, I think just about anything could have made this episode better, but that's just my opinion. I'm not really a fan of John Mayer. It might have made the episode better. Probably wouldn't have made it a whole lot worse. This is true. I don't think. I think I'm in the minority by saying this out of judging. Um, after talking to you guys and then reading tweets and Facebooks and whatnot, but uh, I don't think anything could have made this episode much worse. You know, I, I don't think it was bad, but I guess we have some things that we need to uh, take care of before we do that. Wait a minute. We haven't even said what people are listening to yet. Shield Podcast, Episode 3. I want uh, people we- to know that we've got more than three episodes. Yes, we have a whole less than one uh, series. No, it's not less than one, is it? They're not negatives. They're no, they are less than yeah, one. Yeah, they're less. They're than not ones. less than zero, right? We have zero point whatever shows, and I'm just, you know, I think some people aren't aware of that. And like somebody said, hey, I listened. I saw somebody say, I listened to your third episode, and I'm thinking, okay, was that zero point three, or are they talking about right the one that we haven't even recorded yet? And please don't judge us by the first three minutes of this episode. <laughs> Maybe don't let it stop you from checking out the rest of the series. Sometimes the wheels are aligned, and sometimes they aren't. That is true. Yes, welcome to the Shield Podcast. This is Brad. Johnny M's here. Russell Latham is here. Hello. Hi. It's good to be back. Uh, Russell, we're glad to have you. You're on drugs. Prescribed. Prescribed. But uh, we're glad you're feeling well enough to join us. Yeah, I'm a little, got a, got a, my arm in a sling, and that's not a euphemism. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I'm doing, doing well. Cool. How's the show doing, rating-wise? That's what we call a segue. It's a bit of a mixed bag. Well, let's start by saying... It can't be that bad because we've learned today, as we record this October the 10th, that ABC has greenlit the show for a complete full first season. So we knew previously that they gave it a full order, uh, but that didn't necessarily translate to the fact that they were going to air all of those episodes. So we know now that it is got is going to get a full season airing, which which means it's probably going to get a second season to boot. Um, but the ratings are, are a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, they in general they continue to slide a little bit. We're at uh, 8.4 million total for episode two. We're down to 7.7 million for episode three. But 
uh, the demo rating hit a big milestone. And uh, so it beat NCIS with a 2.8 rating, a Nielsen rating, over a 2.7. So that that's good because that's, you know, what advertisers are looking for is that is that main demographic number. And, and to, to beat NCIS, which, you know, we've talked about this in the past, but I think it was kind of a gamble putting the show up against uh, what, what is considered ratings-wise the probably the most popular scripted drama on television. Um, so, so the fact that it's hitting its demo number against that show is, is a good thing. How exactly did it beat NCIS? That, I saw that headline today on the net, and I thought, I must have just misread that. I it, must be on some it, of Russell's uh, pain medication because there's no way that could possibly be true. It beat it in the demo. Like, overall viewership, it did not. But there's a lot of, I think NCIS skews a little older. Um, so in the, what is it, the 18 to 49 or 18 to, to 39 demo or whatever it is, um, it did a tenth of a point better than NCIS. And we're the ones that buy automobiles and beer. Yes, and not necessarily in that order. Right. We don't mix them. I also, I actually saw that it was adjusted uh, a point up as well. I think it got to 2.9 after they did the final whatever they do. Um which yeah. I don't really understand anyway. I guess it's it, the big thing I think it started this year is they're looking at DVR plus three um, to really shore up those numbers. And so this is just one of those shows, which I think a lot of shows, to be honest with you, uh, skew better when you look at three days out, how not just people watching it live, but also people watching it on their DVRs are included as well. And I think next year we're going to get more into and this is kind of general, this isn't necessarily specific to S.H.I.E.L.D., but uh, Internet numbers, I think, are going to start to mean more and more as time goes by. So it it's going to make things real interesting when it comes to um, what shows get greenlit, how long they stay, advertisers, all that good stuff. And this really played out exactly how we figured in terms of this being the safest bet in TV history and even and even though it's yeah. maybe disappointing a little bit or maybe it's not hitting the numbers that you know the high ceiling numbers that we thought it might have been able to hit it's still doing very well uh, and enough to like you said enough to f- sign on for the full season and probably get it going for season 2 pretty shortly yeah yeah definitely i would have been surprised if abc hadn't have shown the whole thing anyway i mean like we've said before, it's just a big commercial for their movies, you know? And it would be silly yeah. it would be silly to they know people are watching it. You know, all, all of us geeks are watching it and most of us geeks are watching it and I know a few people that aren't, but it just seems it just seems like a safe bet, you know. Uh in regards to our last episode, uh, we had I think I had said something about why the bad girl Camilla pointed out that she said she decided to throw away the history between her and Colson when she saw her his team and Jimmy and Georgia on Twitter you can follow us at shield podcast Jimmy and Georgia says uh, I think she said that because she saw the team and thought it looked weak meaning they weren't a bunch of soldiers there's you know a handful of kids an old lady, forgive me, Ming-Na, and a guy who is wearing a suit, what's he going to do? And then maybe one whippersnapper on the team. She just thought, compared to my my team full of, of uh, 
armed mercenaries, you know, were good. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah. I I can go with that too. That that's and it's probably as simple as that. I think that's part partly part of the problem that I'm having with the show that they're so bumbling. And I get that they're a new they're they're new as a team, but they're not new agents. You know what I mean? Like it sh- things should be going a little more smoothly, I would think. But uh, maybe maybe they're trying to push the idea that dealing with super powered stuff is new to all of them, or you know, just getting them to gel as a team is going to be a slow process. You know, something like that. Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. I mean, think about seasoned podcast veterans such as ourselves. You know, we've been doing this for several years, and then when we start off a new show. It takes a while to kind of get into a groove. You're not sure how we're going to handle the show. We're not going to sure be sure who's going to do what. And then eventually it kind of works its the kinks out, with the exception of the beginning of this episode. But, you know, it, it works its, its itself out, and, and it just starts happening the way it should. So I think it's the very same thing with the team. Yeah, and if you look back on almost any show, I mean... I think that's sometimes the complaint we have with TV shows that we kind of see there's something interesting is they're canceled too soon or even like Buffy. Like, I don't know if you guys watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer when it first aired, but uh, that first season was not great. Um, the pilot was kind of weak or, or I take the the next example I give is, is Star Trek The Next Generation. I was really, really psyched in 87 when that show premiered and the pilot was horrible. Like, I think the pilot was hands down like the worst episode um, of the entire series and it definitely got better Uh, and I think the later seasons of that show were some of the best yet but it took it took a while to get there and I think networks sometimes have short um, leashes for these shows especially because ratings aren't what they were 10 15 20 years ago and they're just so ready to, to pull the plug on anything that does isn't a success right out of the bat unless it's can be made on the cheap. It's very fortunate this show's on ABC instead of Fox. Well, it, it's, oh, yeah. so there's plenty of other factors as well. Of that course. We've mentioned, right, that we've mentioned before, that this is something different. This is not right. something you're going to throw away after five episodes or, or whatever. I mean, this is right. part of a bigger... Yeah, there's, it's a piece of a bigger whole. Yeah, there's too much, there's too much baggage, for lack of a better word, goes along with this show that you just don't you just aren't going to give up on it since you since you bring up uh buffy one thing that i was sort of thinking about driving around today as i thought about recording tonight and stuff is you know this is going to be compared to a lot of other whedon stuff right when you talk about the show starting slowly especially you know you hear some dollhouse you hear some buffy you know, those were shows, as I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Joss Whedon wrote throughout, correct? Like, he just wasn't there for the pilot and then moved on? That's correct. That's correct. He did have other writers in on it, but he maintained a pretty heavy hand, except for Angel. I think Angel was the one that he peeled off of for a while to do Firefly. I think... Because Firefly and Angel were kind of going on at the same time. So that one he kind of peeled off 
uh, and and left in other hands more so than he has any other show. Right. Okay. So I guess my point is. This really isn't a Whedon show. <laughs> like, he's gone already. I mean, but what I'm getting at is, is fine, it is a Whedon show, but now we have other people, and they're close to him, I understand that, but we have other people trying to recreate the Whedonish tendencies of shows. Like, maybe they're not nailing that dialogue or that tone. Exactly as he would. Uh, I meh, I don't I don't know that I agree with that. One of the things I think this show has a disadvantage is the other stuff was truly his property, right? He created Buffy from from scratch. All the characters created in that Dollhouse, same way. Firefly, Serenity, same way. Like those were all in his own head, his creations. This he's having to work within a framework of characters that he doesn't own and. And didn't well. I mean, some of them he's created, but the universe itself he hasn't created. Um, and yes, I think of all the shows, this one, other than from the like, he had a heavy hand in the pilot. He had a heavy hand in the creation of the characters and their voices. But yeah, after that pilot episode, I don't think he's sitting in the writers' room like he would with the other shows. I think I think that's accurate. But Jed and Marissa Tancheron, Jed Whedon and Mar- Marissa Tancheron. Uh, were heavy scripters on Dollhouse, so and that one felt a very like a very Whedon kind of show. Yeah, for some reason we we should probably get into what actually happened in the episode uh, pretty soon. But for, for some reason, I I just feel like this is off a little bit, and hopefully they I agree. Hopefully they get it. Hopefully, like we said, you know, it takes a little bit of time for them to get into a groove and find out exactly what they want to do. You know, with the characters and with the tone of the show and stuff. But right now, it just seems a little off. I still have a lot of trouble putting my finger on exactly what I'm trying to say or what I don't like. But it's just not right yet. I have a a few things that I think once we get done... I mean, like you said, John, not to belabor too much and and talk about the actual episode. I think once we're done, kind of give it our discussion, it'll put some of what I... At least what I'm trying to to say into better context. But I, I struggle with the same things you struggle with. I would agree along with you guys. There's something missing, and I'm not sure what it is yet. Well, it is not Chloe Bennett running in a wet dress. That is not missing. That is correct. You can scratch that off your list, huh? <laughs> Check. So this this episode was kind of like the third style of episode that we we're kind of thinking about. Like the first one was the rogue superhero the second one was the crazy device and the third you know this one was like the you know kind of like rescue mission i guess the a little more what what we thought of at the beginning was a little bit more procedural maybe more hints of of a bigger shadowy organization kind of pulling the strings as to what's going on rather than a a specific macguffin and we got our first comic book based uh you know, supervillain origin. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Talk about your C and D lister, though, huh? Yeah, yeah. I did not know of... I, I guess when they said Graviton, I had heard it before, but I wouldn't have been able to, like, pick him off a page if, you know, a bunch of supervillains were yeah. on, on a page. I had, to, I had to Google it, and I ended up on the Wikipedia page. Let me just read this real quick for those that aren't familiar with the comics. 
Franklin Hall is the name of that doctor that, that was quote-unquote kidnapped. Um, in the comic books, he becomes a guy named Graviton, but here's a little bit of how he gets there. Franklin Hall is a physicist involved in an experiment in a private research facility. Uh, a mistake in Hall's calculations causes Graviton particles to merge with his own molecules, and Hall later discovers that he can mentally control gravity. Hall at first tries to hide his newfound ability, but becomes tempted by the potential power, and dons a costume and adopts the alias Graviton. Was that the name of the element? Was it Graviton? Something's telling me it was longer, like Gravitonium. No, gravitonium. Okay. But, uh, yeah, this is our... I mean, when we started this show, John, both of us had said more than once we wanted to see... You know, some people from comics, and uh, I'm starting to think maybe I should be careful what I ask for. (laughs) I I think it falls in line with uh, the Marvel movie universe, though, taking a character and then just sort of taking the basic idea and and trying to make it more, uh, I guess, more grounded or more realistic. I mean, they're certainly not going to bring Graviton out in a super suit or anything. It looks like he'll be... If he's ever back, I should say. It looks like he'll be CGI with all the moving particles and stuff. I took the tag or, uh, on this episode. I took the tag as uh, a bit of foreshadowing that we would actually see him again later. Yeah. I had, uh, like I said, I was not familiar at all with this character. Um, he was created in... Uh, he first appeared in... Avengers number 158 uh, in April of 1977, so he's been around a while, but obviously not um, not immensely popular. But I guess that's the safe bet, is to take the ones that, that nobody knows about, that aren't real popular, and to see if you can actually make something of them. Yeah, and I think like we talked about maybe two episodes ago, you can't overshadow the movie universe or... You know, you can't break out like a supervillain that hasn't been in the movies yet that's better than what, you know, they've been showing us. I I already sound, you know, like I'm down on this episode, and it's been my least favorite of the three, I'll admit to that, but it is cool to see another comic book element coming into it. Even if I'm not real familiar with it, just to know that it's from a Marvel comic book and there's actual history on it. You know, yeah, I, that that works for me. I I agree, and I think that goes a long way with the geeks. I mean, I remember like even when I wasn't so sure that I loved the Walking Dead television show, I didn't really care about the characters maybe that they were showing currently, but I cared like what they were going to do from the comic next. You know what I mean? Right. Like even right. if I didn't love Carol and Daryl, I wanted to know when they were going to find the prison. You know, <laughs> so. Right. That, that's a, a good way to keep it going for us. I mean, I just want to know what they're going to dip into in terms of the continuity and everything. The last two episodes, I had a page full of notes about each episode. I I didn't take any notes at all. I was just going to let you guys bring things up, and if something triggered my memory, as far as something I wanted to point out, you know, I'd, I'd chip in. But like I said, there was something about this episode that didn't work for me compared to the other two. You know, what's interesting is I've seen 
several people say that this is their most favorite episode yet out of the three. I don't understand that, but I think that's cool. Yeah. Well, maybe we could start with uh, the one thing that's coming to my mind because I don't have much uh, in the way of notes or I'm kind of on the same uh, line of thinking as you, Brad. But how about the Coulson, uh, my muscle memory problem and he can't pop the casing out of the gun or he can't pop the last, you know, the bullet that's in the chamber out of the handgun. What are we leaning towards with, with that? Is Are we back to this really maybe not being Coulson? Or what did that make you guys lean towards? Well, I didn't think twice about it. But it's funny that you should bring that up because while we've been talking, I've been keeping my eye on the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast Facebook page. And... Uh, I posted, the three of us are recording an episode right now. Some people chipped in with some things. Victor Santiago Marquez says, Graviton, in all caps. Jason Ritter says, do you think Doctor Strange had something to do with Coulson returning? And I typed, Brad thinks it's Thor, which I do. Asgard is Tahiti. You, The three of us haven't talked about this. Uh, I We talked a little bit about it on Half Hour Wasted with me and uh, Frank and Bill, but... um. I, that's what I think is going on. That's what I'm leaning to at the moment. Anyway, in response to that, Victor says, that would greatly increase the drama as Thor was somewhat in on the twist. However, they have hinted that Phil has lost his muscle memory, implying that these are not his muscles, dot, dot, dot. So somebody else is thinking that too. Maybe this isn't Coulson. I know that, that we've all, the three of us have kind of led, leaned towards this actually being you know, the real Coulson, but maybe it's not. And, you know, it's interesting when I spoke to Frank and Bill about it, uh, Bill was absolutely certain that this Coulson was a life model decoy. I I have, uh, well, one thing quick I, I just want to mention to these points. Uh, didn't they also say, didn't um, Melinda May say something to him about uh, this is what happens after something, and, and then this is a terrible description of what happens. Uh, Coulson said something about the afterlife. Like, it's not what happens after combat, it's what happens in the afterlife. Like, didn't he say something to that effect, like, that validated, yes, I'm having these problems because of what they did to me, or that I'm back, or something? Um, I seem to he, remember the word afterlife they, being being used. I don't. I don't recall that. I, I know they had the exchange with with the gun. She comes in. She wants to get put back in the field, and then he, you know, he he said something. She said, and then, you haven't had a lot and of then action." She said, oh yeah, and then you died. She said, "Yeah, you haven't had a lot of action." He says, "I saw a lot of action with the Avengers." And then, under her breath, as he walked and away, then she said, "And you died." Right. Oh, oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I think part of this, I think they're going to throw some red herrings out there specifically to throw people off. Right. Of course they are. Okay, ready? What if this Coulson is an LMD and Clark Gregg is only a part of this show for this season? So the LMD thing gets blown out of the water by the end of the season. And now it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. without Clark Gregg. Possibly 
run by Maria Hill, let's say. I don't know when her other show is over. Crazy? No, it's not crazy. I can see that happening. You know, I wonder if Clark Gregg is really in the long haul for a television show with all of these movies that he's going to be involved in. and Possible. I mean, it's hard, hard, hard to say. Uh, the, the other thing is maybe there is no Phil Coulson. Maybe Phil Coulson, every iteration of Phil Coulson is an LMD. Like, there is no live human being Phil Coulson. Right. I just, I think what made me think that he might be done then after this season is just something else that we talked about. If he's an LMD and we all find out that he's an LMD, it really takes all of the stakes out of the character. True. Yeah. Like, they could just keep killing him. It could be like Kenny on South Park. Yeah. They yeah, killed Coulson! Yeah. Because then it just becomes a, a, a joke and not in a good way. I don't know. I think they're going to string this along. I, I think by the end of the season, we'll know. I think there are going to be some red herrings out there. I think there's going to be some legitimate clues out there. And I think it's just going to be for us to kind of suss them out. What else? Any other uh, big happenings? I guess we really didn't get much Rising Tide this A episode. Bit. Well, they, I mean, that was Sky's in um, to Quinn's group was that she used the Rising Tide back channel to basically quasi-hack into his, um, to get herself an invitation. Right. Um, so it, it... What does... I, the, the Ian Quinn character, did he, rem, did he remind you of Justin Hammer at all? I never thought of Justin Hammer once, but I can see where you're going with it. I, I kind of... Yeah, I kind of got a Justin Hammer vibe out of him just because he's kind of like this slick leader of this, you know, technology firm that's, you know, trying to get a one up. He doesn't trust Shield, he doesn't trust anybody else. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that connection being made. It was kind of like an odd way to go. Like it seemed like a roundabout way to get to Dr. Hall. You know, like yeah. the, the whole storyline of of going to that other uh what what country was it where they didn't have the uh jurisdiction? Malta. Malta. Right. Like, I don't know. It just seemed like they could have it could have been Dr. Hall that was just had a lab somewhere and was working on this stuff without bringing in Quinn and the whole. It just seemed like a roundabout way to me to get to where they wanted to get at the end. Unless they're going to use that character in the future. And this was sort of like his, you know, introduction to the universe, I guess. He didn't die or anything in this, did he? He just eventually got away, I guess, on his helicopter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's the that problem. Happen, but... Yeah, and I think that's the problem with this episode from a... I, th- I think people that have trouble with the episode is the structure. Like, it was trying to do too ma- maybe too many things for a 42-minute TV episode. You know, we had um, Dr. Hall, who was a teacher to Fitz and Simmons. He's also involved in shield. We had a breakout. He was, you know, working with them, but not really working with them. We have this, uh, you know, other organ, you know, this, this Ian Quinn character who is kind of this anti-establishment, you know, thing going on. He's trying to, uh, you know, set up this foundation or this, this organization, uh, 
you know, to kind of go against, as he put it, the UN, the EU, Shield, and the he said the DRTC, which I thought that was interesting. I, I, I did a little googling on DRTC, and the only thing I could come up with is the Documentation Research and Training Center out of India, which sounds like it's it's kind of like a think tank uh, thing, which which definitely would fit in to to the organizations he was you know making a comparison to specifically Shield. Um, and then we get whole, you know, Sky kind of coming in, and the double cross, and then we're, you know, we're not sure is she double crossing or triple crossing, and yeah. So I was gonna say, so after we've seen what happened with Sky this episode, what, what, what does that make you guys think about who she was texting last episode, or I guess it might have been even the first episode. No, it was the second episode where she she says, "I'm in." Who was she talking to at that point? Oh, rising tide. I yeah. I don't. I don't. I didn't think there was any question. It was rising tide. Yeah, but if she's, if she really wants to be a shield agent, well, I'm assuming she does because the look on her face was, you know, I be, it was believable. It was really, I believed what she was saying at that point. Like she really wanted to do this. Well, but and we don't know what the motivations are either. Is she playing both ends against the middle? Is she trying to get shield to? understand where rising tide is coming from and trust them as another resource is she truly double crossing shield and is on the size of side of rising tide i mean i think that's kind of the big outstanding question with her character is whose side is she really on and what she what she really up to and that's not unusual for a joss whedon show i mean a lot of characters come in with multiple agendas and uh, you know we're we're not always sure what they are right up front and they kind of play out over a season, two seasons, sometimes even longer than that. So, uh, so that that doesn't surprise me that we're kind of getting that track with her character. And that point about Joss Whedon television shows is what makes me so mad when they do really dumb things on this show. Like, did anybody not know? that somebody was going to point a gun at Sky and she was going to use the move that Grant yeah. Ward showed her in the beginning of the episode. I mean, it's like so ham-fisted at times. You know, even with Melinda May, like, I don't want to be in combat, I don't want to be in combat, I don't want to be in combat, okay, I'm going to be in combat. You know, yeah. like, yeah. I mean, those things are so, like, anti-Whedon where you're used to not seeing anything coming. That was that was one of the biggest problems I had with this episode is Melinda May coming to her and saying, I want to sign up for combat. Why? You've been bitching about not wanting to be here the whole time, and now here you are wanting to be here? What happened? And nothing, right. Nothing that bad happened. Like, if Coulson or one of them, like, really got hurt because of, like, ineptitude in the combat area... You know, I could see her being like, all right, I got to do this before one of these kids gets killed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can counter that with is maybe she she knows that Coulson is not ready to be active in the field and that she was maybe given, them, given that a chance to play out and see, okay, are they going to bring in another field operative or what's the deal? And then when Coulson went out and then she saw him, you know, with the gun and him not being able to, you know, unload and... and unchamber the round that that kind of sealed it for her like okay he's going to get killed or one of these operations is going to go horribly bad unless there's somebody that really knows what they're doing 
out there. And, and for all we know, this could be a, a this could be Colson a ploy for Colson, right? He's kind of purposely fumbling to get her to to come to the forefront. I mean, hard hard to say. And are, are we supposed to are we supposed to feel a um, a sexual tension between Sky and Grant? Man, I hope, I hope not. not. I hope not. Okay. I that thought will... maybe I was missing the fact that I was supposed to, but maybe it's just not there, which would be better for me. I if if they start the whole romantic relationship with each other, to me that's going to make this show go very south very quick because it is so cliched, like so cliched. And I think they actually in a couple points of this episode went to length to show that maybe that wasn't happening. When when he disarmed her and she kind of spun around and and he kind of had her in her in in his arms and she kind of made that joke, he didn't get nervous. He didn't get he he wasn't having any of it. And she kind of like that wasn't. I didn't take it as her coming on to him. And then at the end of the episode, when she jumps in the pool and she runs away and she kind of gets cornered and Ward takes out those agents, she goes to run to him at first. And I thought, oh, the way she was running towards him, I thought, oh, man, if she just puts her arms around him and just, like, hugs him affectionately, that's really going to turn me off. And and they pulled back. And he said, you know, do exactly as I say and let, let's go. So he's all business. And I really hope that's the way they stick this because I think if they go the other way, it's just going to become so cliched that it's really going to turn me off. Yeah, I was I was very pleased to see that she didn't run up to him and and throw her arms around him because that would have been it would have been a little too much too quick so why did melinda may change her mind so quickly and suddenly i i don't get it i think i think russ is right i think she i think it came right after the scene of colson not being able to do his gun thing like he claims he usually could do and she's probably just worried that you know things are going to go south if she's not out there helping out that was another moment i kind of had a bit of an eye roll when the when ward and colson show up on that beachhead and he's in his full suit yeah inside that that life raft thing i was like really he's not gonna you know he's in a full suit in a life raft you know it just it just didn't fit at all like he was not tactical to any shape or form and again i don't know if that if that was to push her some more or if it was intentional or just bad writing. But I, that to me just, just looked really off, like just way off. Yeah. I expected him to have like plastic booties on his feet and his shoes or something, but I didn't see anything like that. No, it would have been cooler. Like, uh, I think they've done it in James Bond a few times. Like if he had the scuba suit on over the suit, (laughs) Yes. So, like, yes. he could get yeah. out in the in the seal gear and then unzip it, and he'd have his suit on. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Yeah, it was a little that whole scene with them, you know, coming up on that on that meeting with all the guests and everything, and them getting in with the security field. To me, that was just way too convenient. It almost again, a little too cliched. It was an A team um, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fantastic way to to describe this episode. It it really was. I think I read it on Facebook today. I don't remember. Yeah. Either way, I mean, whoever came up with that uh description is pretty spot on. I I thought the 
Marvel cinematic references were a little more subdued this time. I mean, obviously, Coulson has the big, well, I saw action with the Avengers, and that was more like a boast. Um, but Dr. Hall mentioned that, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. at one point was trying to research, um, you know, the Tesseract and ended up inadvertently creating a weapon of mass destruction or, or you know, a weapon that now allowed says, an alien. Yeah, he says an alien evasion. You were in your right in your quest for unlimited power source. You know, you invited an inva- alien invasion or whatever. And, you know, of course, Coulson's like, yeah, good point. You know, but it, it was a little more subdued. You think it's a a requirement that they have to reference the Marvel movie universe in some form or fashion each episode? You think ABC has given them a directive to do that? Um, I hope not. I hope they kind of chill out with that. I, and I think we've seen it get a little more subtle um, each episode and not so in your face. So I'm hoping as time goes by that it gets a little more subtle. I, they don't, I don't feel like they have to actively reference it. It's almost like when they reference it, it's, it's, they're drawing attention to themselves when they reference it. And it's not a, a in the background kind of thing. I don't, I don't know. It, that's a hard, we talked about this before, but it's kind of a hard line to walk because if they don't reference it, then people complain because there's no references. If they reference it too much, then people complain that it's too much reference. Um, and so striking that balance, I think, is tough. I mean, I've come to terms that I just had huge expectations for the show. And some of them are definitely, you know, not fair. Um, well, it's hard. It, it's hard, John, to not have those desires those expectations when the marvel movie universe has really treated us uh to something special as as marvel fans um it's it's hard to not expect the same thing from a tv show when the same people are behind it it it's uh, you have to you have to use your you know with a movie you got two hours, you throw all your bags, all your tricks on the table, all the cards on the table. That's I'm looking for the proper metaphor, and I couldn't, I was mixing them up. Yeah, you went bag of tricks yeah. for a little while. And yeah, then you, okay. I'm not sure what I was trying to do, but you throw all your cards on the table uh, for a two-hour movie. But when you got 22 hours to fill in a season of television, you can't do that. You got to know when to hold them, and you got to know when to fold them. You got to know when to walk away. And then you got to know when to run. So, you know, it's it's a completely different thing. But as fans, you know, we want we want that roll of flush each and every episode. I don't even know what I want different. I I can't even describe, you know, what I thought it was going to be, or what I want it to be. There's a, a I had a couple thoughts on that since we we've, we've kind of talked about the episode but I think one thing I would like to see one more cast member. I think the show has, you know, quote unquote six cast members, but two of them are one. I mean, Fitz and Simmons, they're referred to as a single character. They're always on screen at the same time. They're never apart from each other. So for for the for the most part they're one one character. So we really have Instead of, I guess, what would be six, we have five. 
Um, and I think the show, I think there's there's something missing where I think another lead might add another add some more dynamic to it. The other thing is it seems too claustrophobic. The sets that they're using seem very confined. Like there's no, and and I know location shooting is expensive and stuff like that, but uh, that lab that that Hall had was very confining. Even the helicarrier, like the sets, and now granted, it's it, or not the helicarrier, but the but the plane. Now granted, it is a plane, so you can't get too big, but it was it was small. The the you know that beachhead set or whatever was very small. It just doesn't seem like the scope is there and and that's one of the things we saw with all of the other movies is the, is, is this sense of scope um you know from from iron man all the way up to and including iron, you know avengers and iron man 3 was the sense of scope and i don't know it, the other thing is is everything is is too and we've talked about this before but everything is too pretty right i mean the people i think are too pretty the locations are too perfect um, I would like to th- see things a little more rough and tumble, a little more weathered and worn, uh, and, a, and a little bit grittier. Uh, not to not to make it dark, but just to make it a little more realistic, because this stuff just seems way too sterile. I mean, everything they they every environment they're in just seems overly sterile. Again, I think the the appropriate phrase here is TV budget. You know, it yeah, but it takes. Time and money to. It takes time and money to turn the Walking Dead, in the the town that they shoot the Walking Dead into what it looks like. You know, they basically have to destroy the town to make it look accurate, and and that takes time and money. Well, if you want to, you know, make a a more realistic environment for the for the Shield guys to in, interact with, it's gonna take time and money and you know i mean you can only i guess you can only do so much with the amount of time and the amount of money that abc gives you would it you think it would make a difference if and i've often wondered pardon me i've often wondered this um what would it what would a tv show be like if it aired every other week what if they had two weeks to work on a, a TV show, regardless of what kind of show it is, comedy, drama, action. How how would that affect TV as we know it? And and maybe, you know, trying to pin it down, how would that affect this show? If they could spend two weeks on an episode instead of one, how do you think it might be different? Well... I mean, all this stuff is filmed way ahead of time anyway. So, I mean, they're not, I mean, they, they air one week apart, but I don't think that translates to them taking a solid week to do a show. Well, you know, you're, you're right about that. And, um, they certainly haven't shot all 22 episodes now, you know, by now or whatever to fill out this week. So, but, you know, we've heard stories of production of some of our favorite TV shows. I mean, I remember hearing them, you mentioned the the Next Generation earlier. I remember hearing several of those actors talk about how, you know, we've had one week to learn our lines and then it was on to the next episode. So, I would say generally, you know, shows have 
and we've heard the same thing with The Walking Dead, you know, they, the way they crank those out. So they may have seven or eight days to work on an episode. And I'm just wondering if things would be a lot different, you know, for TV in general if, if they came out every other week. I don't know. I just It just feels like it would make a difference. And I, I guess that's part of... I guess part of what is fueling what I'm saying now is my own experience in video production. I guess what I'm trying to say is I wish they could spend more time on these episodes. I think that's what it boils down to is I want them to, it feels like, like you said, they tried to do, there's too many things happening. They tried to do too many things in this, in this 42 minutes. The episode tried to do more than it should have. And I think that if they had more time to work on, episodes they could prioritize and really figure out the key to making this a better show I don't even hate it it's just not meeting expectations quite yet yeah I mean and it could be it just and I know people are listening to this and maybe wondering like why are we so down on it and I I think John you you kind of hit it it I think it's just very high expectations and it's only three episodes. I mean, this thing could settle itself in just fine. I mean, they could still be tweaking things. They, sh- you know, they they could be waiting to see, okay, which characters are working, which characters are not working. You know, how is this flow? Let's see what we can re-edit. You know, I mean, I don't want to get the Fox mentality of like, you know, give it three episodes and then judge it, you know, completely. But I, I just, I think. I think with some fine tuning, I think this could go from being a, a pretty decent show, a pretty good show, to being a really, really good show. I don't hate it either, John, but it's it's hard to put into words exactly what I'm feeling. It's like the last time you went to that burger place, that burger was just <laughs> so amazing, and then you went back to that same burger place, and it it was okay, but it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't as good as it was last time. Yeah. And that's almost how this feels. For me, I mean, as I try to gather my thoughts after talking this over now with you guys, it doesn't have any stakes for me yet. You know, they've kind of bounced around like the first episode was bringing everybody together. And then, you know, we like you said, Russ, we had a superhuman that episode. And then the second episode, you know, we had the, the item that they found. And now this one was the... A different subject, you know. We really haven't built up like a continuity, or a, you know, we. I know we have the rising tide as sort of an underlying major story arc, but it really hasn't kicked into anything, you know, dangerous or something that's keeping our, you know, that our mind is being kept on the whole season. It, it, it just doesn't really have any stakes yet, and it's difficult because, like, I was thinking about Arrow, for instance, because Arrow on the CW, it's set up pretty similarly. Like, it's a group of, like, young, attractive people in this uh, in this comic book world. And I was thinking, like, why does that one work? You know, that one has, like, a little bit of sex and, like, real violence in it. Like, people die and stuff. Um, and we're not going to get that, I wouldn't think, on an ABC slash Disney you know, uh, production that's going alongside the Avengers and all those movies, which are all pretty family, you know, oriented stuff. So they're going to have to turn it up a notch somewhere. Um, and we just haven't gotten to that yet. 
that's a very astute observation that the thing that maybe this show needs the most, a bit of an edge, if you will, is more than likely not going to show up on, on ABC. Right. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of another genre show on another network. Um, I've been watching uh, Revolution. I watched yeah. it last season. I'm, I'm watching it this season. It's not my favorite show by any means, but I enjoy watching it. I look forward to each week to get a new episode. The same with Under the Dome on uh, CBS. Yeah, Those... I've been watching uh, The Blacklist. I've got them Which on is... my DVR. I just haven't had a chance to sit down and watch them. Yep, another, you know, a little bit of an edge, a little bit of a 24, you know, terrorist feel. Yeah. People get shot. And <laughs> it just seems like as lucky as we are to have this show being made and being on television, I mean, who would have thought that something that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Jim Steranko and all these old guys popularized back in the late 70s, you know, would have been on TV now to such a wide audience. I mean, it's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. But it's almost a shame it's on ABC. The reason it's on TV is because it's on ABC. That's a given. Because they own the property. Disney owns it. Right. But it's almost a shame it's not on NBC or CBS. But I will say this, and you brought up Revolution, and, and John, you brought up Arrow, and, and some of these other shows, and it seems like the criticisms I have of those shows are similar to the criticisms I have of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is the kind of dumbing down. There, there's a couple plot lines on Revolution where, I won't spoil anything, but there's one character that is in the presence of another character that has done horrible things to, to the one character, and... For whatever reason, like the one character doesn't kill the character that did horrible things to them, and now they have to like team up because they have a common enemy, and that's happened several times. And to me, I don't find that very realistic. That irritates me because it's like this person has done something so heinous that there's no coming back from it. Um, and then even in, in Arrow, there's a, a couple times where they purposely don't like one character will withhold information from another for no other reason than just the kind of the typical um, I said so kind of thing. You know, we get a lot of... To me, that, that just irritates me when they purposely drag things out because characters don't want to divulge information to other characters for the purposes of, of dragging the story out. And, like, nobody finds that suspicious, and it, 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 it things like that happen. And I think it's kind of like this dumbing down um, when, it, when it comes to TV. I think, I think that's an accurate um, uh, thought process that you're having there. I think Revolution may not be a wonderful example of that, though, because it's it's really a ridiculous show. I mean, when you get down to it, um, sure. As fun as it is, and as much as I enjoy watching it, the concept is just utterly ridiculous. So. The fact that the people on the show, on that show in particular, would act the way they do, kind of feels normal because the show's ridiculous to begin with. But 
I see what you're saying, and I would agree with, with a lot of shows. I mean, there, I love Lost. It's my favorite show of all time. Disclaimer: I've not seen one episode of Breaking Bad, so who knows when I watch that if that'll still if that'll change the way I feel about Lost. But at this point in time, it's my favorite show ever. There were things, and you know, let's be honest, that's a ridiculous show. The concept behind that show is just utterly ridiculous. I loved it with every fiber of my being, and there were things that were what happened on that show. You know, the people if, if, along the very same lines. You know, Ben Linus was a horrible man, and he did horrible things to people who later in the show are teaming up with Ben Linus. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. ridiculous. So i I totally get I totally get where you're where you're coming going with this, and you know i I hope this show doesn't get that ridiculous. So, what are some positives? We we've, we've we've kind of I feel like we're our audience Debbie is Downer. Think, yeah, I feel like our our audience is going to think we're just bagging on it, and that. You know that maybe there were more negatives than positives, and maybe there were, but I, I still think overall there were some positives uh, to this one. I liked uh, Doctor Hall. I liked the actor and how he played the uh, the doctor. I thought the whole uh, I thought the opening was cool with the uh, sort of the gravity shots that were blowing the cars and the trucks over and stuff. And uh, I was Agent Agent, Agent Mac. Mac. Yeah. I was was his name Mac. Yeah, like like a Mack yeah, truck. I thought that was funny. Like Mack truck. Yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty funny. I hadn't even put two and two together to come up with that. Um, I was shocked though. I must have missed some of the dialogue when he was on the radio because I had absolutely zero idea that he was a shield agent until he touched the windshield and then the display came up and I'm like, holy crap, that guy's working for Shield. So I must have missed a little something at the beginning, but that was a nice surprise. But yeah, the um, seeing those cars fly up in the air like that, that was pretty cool. I, I did like that open. I think the other thing that they're well, maybe they're fine-tuning a little bit is the Fitzsimmons stuff. Uh, I, I kind of noticed this last episode, too. They've kind of dialed that back to some degree, and it's not this fast and furious uh, techno-babble discussion, can't understand you know what they're saying because they're talking so fast, uh, that they're they're kind of pulling that back just a little bit, which I, I, I think is I think is good. Um we talked about the the lack of romantic interest, hopefully between Grant Ward and Sky, which I hope they continue to to move along that that route. So I, I think those were um, were positives. I like Fitz and Simmons a lot, and I like yeah. I like how they answer questions at the same time. They answer questions, maybe not with the same exact words, but with the same answer. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I think it's. I think it's wonderful, and they're probably my favorite thing on the show so far. Did she change her hair like in the middle of the show? It. She definitely had a different look this episode than I think the previous two. Yeah, the way her hair was. It startled was... me. Like she, <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously she's like super attractive, but I think maybe she had it like pulled back in earlier episodes or yeah. whatever, and so it was down this show. It was like, wow, it was like a startling difference. I like the extra tags that we're going to get every episode. Uh, yeah. Hopefully I will remember. Because usually, you know, when you get the message for a television show, you know, uh, we'll be back or whatever, you know it's over and you're going to get like a preview for next week or whatever. So I've like trained myself to shut it off at that point. So now I have to remember that on S.H.I.E.L.D. there is one more Yeah, you're going to have to break your habit, man. Because I yes. know that you don't. 
you don't watch the next week on most. Right. I do not. I read something about that today. They said it was going to be... Sometimes it was going to be a callback to something that happened in the episode. You know, like maybe like the shawarma scene at the end of the Avengers, because he had mentioned shawarma earlier in the movie. There's going to be stuff like that. There's going to be, you know, stuff like what we saw with this episode, uh, setting up... Like an epilogue. Yeah, an epilogue, and maybe possibly setting up a future uh, plot point with, you know... with the same character or whatever. And then there's going to be some things that won't have to do with, uh, the episode at all, you know, like a complete, just like, what does this even mean type of deal? So I'm looking forward to that. That'll, that'll be fun. I'm glad it's not going to be forced Samuel L. Jackson vignettes. Yeah. As much as I love that guy, I think it would get old to to try to see him every time. I just remembered what I was going to say. One of the things I really liked that I thought they did really well was they went to the trouble to build a rotating set in this episode when Oh yeah, yeah. when um Coulson and and Hall were in that one room next to the graviton generator the 12 foot tall one or whatever. That was an actual rotating set and uh I thought that was well done. I mean it it uh it looked uh it looked real. I mean it looked it really worked. And uh, it wasn't. It was. It was a practical thing as opposed to CG of them, you know, or green screen or whatever flying around. It actually was "quote unquote" real. I liked it. They actually used gravity in that scene, which is what you know the whole episode was about. Science. Yeah, I liked that a lot. Yeah, people. We're all aware. The three of us are aware that. You know we. Like John said, we may be Debbie Downers this episode, but we don't hate the show. It is only three episodes young. I get that. And as I think the hard, I think what's hardest for the three of us is that our geek expectations, we're not even sure what those are, but all we know is that it, it they haven't been met quite the right way yet. And... I, I think it's safe to say that n- none of the three of us have given up on the show by any means. I mean, I still enjoy watching it. So, I you know, it's not going to be this way every episode. I I would hope. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's that's the case I, at all, at all. I think it's I think it's like any show. I I I believe in Joss Whedon. I believe in what Marvel's doing with this whole cinematic universe tied together. I think it's going to find its stride. And part of this might be just a little bit of audience gauging, like what works, what doesn't work, you know, which characters are hitting, which which don't. I mean, you know, we've seen it on on many shows. There's been I I won't go into specifics, but there was a character on Breaking Bad that that they planned on killing off after the first season of six episodes. And they, you know, decided to make him stick around because he he, uh, turned out to be such a, you know, an interesting character, a fan favorite, whatever. Um, you know, Dean Norris's character on, on Breaking Bad, not to, not to keep going to that well, but he was kind of a goofball, kind of a joke of a, of a, of a person. And that character evolved greatly over, over the period of the show. And I think until you really kind of see what's jiving with the audience and what isn't, it's, it's kind of hard to, uh, you know, to, to make adjustments early on. I mean, these things are all in the can, they're done, they're complete. And I think, you know, 
at least for this first batch, we're just going to have to get what we get. And I'm I'm thinking that we might get a bit of a maybe a stronger second half than a first half, you know, when it all kind of um, you know fits into its stride. Well, I mentioned Ben Linus earlier. He was supposed to be on for five or six episodes, and that was it. But he got such yeah. a reaction from fans that they made him into something they hadn't planned into making him. So if you think the producers and studio people aren't paying attention to social media, you're very wrong. Because that's the way people... People don't write letters anymore and put them in the mailbox and send them to ABC. They get on their blog or their Twitter or their Facebook or message board and, and complain or praise. Usually, it's a complaint. Yeah. But when something obviously changes because people are fans of it, you know, that's because of all the praise it got. And let's hope that that, that happens a lot for this show. I want to praise this show. I want to love this show. I mean, I'm a Marvel zombie. You know, this is right in my wheelhouse. I want this to be my favorite show ever. And I'm not going to give up on it yet. No, absolutely not. I'm I'm not even close to that. It's just, you know, this one wasn't my favorite. Yeah. And um I guess if I had to rate it, I I'd probably I'd probably give it a 2.5, like dead in the middle. I hope half of them are better than this and you know, I hope there aren't many clunkers lower. But uh I'd put it at 2.5. Didn't hate it, didn't love it. Hopefully we have some improvement coming. I'm about there too, John. I'll say two and a half. Um, it wasn't a stinker. This was not a stinker by any means. You know, it's just my least favorite of the three so far. So I'll give it a two and a half. I'm going to be a lot more uh, reserved in my ratings for this show than I was for The Walking Dead. I gave lots of really high episode ratings for The Walking Dead. Well, maybe because there were a lot of really great episodes, but I think I was a little forgiving of that show at times, but I'm going to try to be a little more realistic in my ratings for this episode, for the uh, this series, I mean. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm pretty much where you guys are at with this one. I, I give it a two and a half. Two and a half may seem like a really low rating, but again, this show has high expectations, I expect there to be some episodes that are just complete and utter home runs. And like you, Brad, I think if we skew a little high, that doesn't give us a, a lot of room to budge. You know, if everything is a four and then, or, you know, and then the, the most awesome episode is a five, then, you know, we don't, we don't really have much room to grow in there. So, uh, yeah, I think this is pretty mediocre and, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, what's, what's coming down the road. Do we have a voicemail? Yeah, we do, actually. Our good buddy, Callum Reavy, all the way from Australia. He's in the future. Uh, he sent us a voicemail, so I will play that right now. Hey, guys. Callum here. Just watched Episode 3 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and actually really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a great episode. Again, something different from what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Uh, 
One thing I'll say, uh, you know, I really hope you guys explore uh, the Doctor a bit more, Dr. Franklin Hall, whatever his name was. Uh, I mean, if he is a character in the Marvel Universe that you guys know a bit about, um, I think that's probably going to be one of the strengths of your podcast, is that you guys, especially Russ, has a really great understanding of the Marvel Universe. And, uh, yeah, if you've got some information, I'd really love to hear who he is. Um, and obviously with the ending, you know, what we can maybe expect in the future without getting too spoilery, I guess. Um, really enjoyed this episode. Thought it was quite good. It was nice that the references to the Avengers were cut back, the references to Colson dying were cut back, um, yeah, and weren't so in your face, they're a bit more subtle, uh, but still really good. Still some great dialogue, some smart scenes, some smart witty comebacks and whatnot. Even the things that were a bit soppy, you know, like he had to save his brothers from me beating up and that, uh, yeah, it was still handled pretty well without getting too sort of over the top and well his man, all that sort of garbage. And finally, just uh, you guys are speaking about different S.H.I.E.L.D. logos. And when Coulson is speaking with Ward, uh, I think before they go on the mission, in the top left-hand corner or whatever screen is behind Coulson, you can actually see the two symbols, or I assume it's the two symbols, next to each other. And, uh, yeah, just some food for thought. All right, guys, uh, love the show, love your work, and catch you later. John, I think it's I think it would be safe to say that Russell is our is the Mark Wade. Of, of the Marvel Universe when it comes to the Half Hour Wasted uh, Legion of Dudes podcast network? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's safe to say. Um, <laughs> I said Legion of Dudes, but I'd forgotten you changed your show name. Oh, nobody listens anyway. Um, I'm glad he brought... I totally forgot he brought up the side-by-side logos. I did notice that. There's some kind of graphic up or... I'm not sure exactly what... It looked what... like it was the plain blueprint. Okay, that sounds right. And they were side by side, so they must have different, uh, you know, meanings. Maybe one of them is the organization of S.H.I.E.L.D. totally, and the other is the logo for the plane, or something to that effect. You know, the they, at least we know now that, you know, they, they are there are different logos for a reason. Not They're not just willy-nilly... Uh, flipping back and forth. And thank you, Callum, for the voicemail. Yeah. And I think we covered most of the other things he talked about. We certainly talked about Graviton a little bit. And uh, Yeah. Yeah, just to throw in there, I haven't... Um, his introduction was a little bit before I started reading The Avengers, um, so I don't have a lot of history with his character. I know he's shown up in the Thunderbolts uh, early on, but, it, it, yeah, his character just doesn't... Uh, I don't. I don't have a lot of knowledge. One one thing, and we've seen amalgamations before, but and not not to beat this horse too much, but I almost see this character of of Doctor Hall as similar to a character in the Marvel Universe called the Molecule Man, um, and his alter ego is is called Owen Reese, and he's kind of a very mild mannered, average Joe looking guy. Um, when you look at, at at Graviton, the comic book character, he doesn't look anything like the actor that played uh, Doctor Hall in the show. But he does kind of remind me of this of this character, the Molecule Man. And while the power set is very much different, I can almost see him being maybe they're kind of, kind of amalgamating those two characters, maybe giving one the personality of the you know of of the Owen Reese Molecule Man character, but the abilities and powers of the of the Graviton character. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, that plays out. Cool. It will be fun to see how they, you know, if they do this from time to time, bring in a 
quote supervillain and maybe you know they start having a collection of different artifacts or or things locked away you know how they'll bring them back eventually what impact they'll have down the road or you know I was wondering one thing I thought of you know that they have graviton sort of trapped um you know maybe they would need him to get themselves out of another mess down the road like maybe that his power could come in handy you know or the power of the that element would help them down the road and then that would unleash him accidentally you know something like that yeah yeah so final thoughts anybody i think we covered it pretty well yeah yeah i i i, I don't really have a whole whole lot extra uh, more to say i mean i i think like we said i think for me the biggest issue with this episode was just kind of its structure um you know there wasn't anything one thing that really stuck out to me as being mediocre or subpar i just think that maybe structurally this one was uh, not not the most well thought out i'm looking forward to next week the preview looks pretty cool uh, i don't know if you saw it john it's got a bunch of people in red masks look like all over the street the city and it looked kind of interesting I remember um, seeing screenshots of that, I guess, when they were filming. Mm. That yeah. did look good. Do we have a uh, a name for that episode? It's called I Spy. Ooh. And the episode summary is, Coulson and the team go after a mysterious master thief, only to discover that she has connections to Coulson that could ruin his life. Oh. That doesn't sound good. No. <laughs> for Coulson, not for an episode. Right. And this one seems like maybe it uh, it might have that little bit of a a darker tone to it. I mean, with the guys running around in masks, that kind of seems a little sinister and a little creepy. Um, and it seems that this character is maybe being controlled um, and and not acting of her own accord. So I think that might might amp things up a little bit. That works. I think that's what we need. Before we go, we should mention our friends at ShieldTV.net. They have a great uh, website full of news, and uh, they host our podcasts uh, on their on their page. Also, they got a, a message board over there, episode write ups, a, a wiki that they're starting. There's a chat room, tons of stuff at uh, ShieldTV.net. You should check that out. Very cool. If you guys want to send us an email, please do so at shieldpodcast at hhwlod.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Shield Podcast. You can locate us on Facebook, uh, Shield. Search Shield. And I think, I'm sorry. I think we'll probably, or we should probably, put the link to the Facebook group. Maybe we'll put it with the article for this episode. A couple of people have mentioned that they had trouble finding our Facebook. Yeah, I've did, uh, I, page. I did that on a previous article. I will continue to do that. Awesome. Yeah, on the on the articles for each individual episode that we put on, we're and we'll, iTunes reviews. Yes, please uh, give us an iTunes review uh, for either this show or any of the other shows on the HHW LOD podcast network that you might listen to. Those are always good. Doesn't have to be a good review. Just be honest with us. We'll be honest with you. That's what we do on these shows. We just say what's on our mind, and uh, we appreciate the feedback. We appreciate you guys listening. And I guess that's that's it, really, for this week. Yeah, see you next week. Sounds good. Don't touch Lola. <laughs>